Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88,000. How many of y'all remember just being in a really scary storm before? Like, I mean, we got some tornadoes around here. Okay, so it can be a little intimidating. I think about big storms, you know, the, the snow apocalypse of 2020, uh, which really wasn't that much snow, but you get any snow down here and it's over. We're done. Uh, but I think about growing up, different storms, uh, different places we live, and we had some bad storms. West Coast, Colorado, it's at the base of the Sangre de Cristos in Colorado. These two mountain ranges kind of come together. They funnel down through this valley, and the weather kind of builds up steam. And, and we were on the lower part of that, that, that funnel in the valley and out on this, at this ranch house. And I remember these big wind gusts would come up. Uh, we'd have wind gusts up to 200 miles an hour every once in a while come through there. Uh, without a tornado or anything, and I remember one morning coming outside after a big snowstorm, and our, our trailer, our horse trailer, was upside down. The wind had just turned it upside down, and uh, it blew so hard that these huge snowdrifts would build, and I actually learned how to ski off the backside of our hay barn where a big snowdrift had built up, and, uh, and so I, I think about those, those storms growing up. I, I don't think there's a lot of storms that really scared me, per se, but I do think about one storm and uh, my dad might be listening online right now, and, but it, it was with him. And we were, we were living in Jackson, Wyoming, and uh, we, we were going to go fishing together one day. So we borrowed a, a canoe, and we went out on Yellowstone Lake. And that, that's a pretty big lake. And when we got out there, I mean, the weather was good. I mean, there wasn't like even that cloudy or anything. And so uh, we were out on the lake, and all of a sudden, this storm came in, and uh, I think because the weather was so nice when we left and probably just because we're typical males and not always that smart, we didn't bring any life jackets. And so we're out in the middle of this lake, the storms come in, no life jackets. And, uh, and there's some decent size, like three foot waves in the lake now. And in a canoe, that's scary. <laughs> and uh, my dad was in an auto pedestrian accident when I was little. And because of that, he, he's not able to swim very well. And so we're at least a couple miles out on this lake. And when you're out on a lake a couple miles, that's a long ways, you know. And we're, so we're trying to make our way back and uh, doing our best to stay along the shore because our thought was, you know, if, if we do tip or whatever, at least we're close to shore and hopefully can make it in. But the dangerous part about that is it's like really sharp shoreline and there's huge rocks. And so these waves are like throwing us into these rocks and and uh, it was a scary situation. I remember thinking, you know, like, my goodness, if we do tip over, I don't, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm big enough or strong enough that I'd be able to help my dad. And it was just, it was, it was a frightening thought. And, uh, but I don't remember a lot of other times of, of being afraid in a storm, uh, but there definitely are storms that can bring fear. And I want to talk about a storm in the Word. A lot of us are familiar with this story. Uh, we're going to read it out of the account in Matthew first. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 23, it says this, Then he, meaning Jesus, got into a boat and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came upon the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. 
But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going down. He replied, you have little faith. Why are you afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. One thing you, you can certainly know about Jesus is he never wasted a miracle. Like there was never a time that he did a miracle that didn't have a greater purpose, that he wasn't trying to teach a lesson. And I think in this story, you can certainly find some principles of how to deal with crisis, the storms that involve crisis. But before we look at the text, I wanna talk about what the Bible communicates in regards to storms, the different kinds of storms. So I was talking with Marcus Brown this last week, one of the other campus pastors, and we were talking about the storms that we go through. And, and, uh, and I was just talking about, I was complaining a little bit about the situation with my knee. And uh, no, this is not even a major storm, but it's a little bit of a storm for me. But I found out on Thursday that they want me to be six more weeks non-weight bearing. So I've already gone three weeks. Now they want me to be six more weeks. And it's just like, oh, it's so frustrating and it's hard. And it's like, it affects a lot of things. And, and I'm not even gonna remotely try to compare that to some of the storms that you've been through, you're going through, but it is. It's a storm. It's not easy. And so we just talked about, you know, a lot of people are going through storms. Let's talk about that. Sometimes you're gonna go through situational storms. And I think that's what my knee is. It's a circumstance. Uh, it gets to a place where sometimes it feels like circumstances are like plotting against you because something's, you did something wrong. It's like Murphy's Law is in full effect. And this is just happening. And Proverbs 127 says, sometimes calamity strikes us like a storm. That happens sometimes. And uh, sometimes it feels like everything just goes wrong at once. And these are inevitable. They will happen. And this is the most encouraging thing I'm going to say, but typically speaking, you're either in one, you're coming out of one, or you're just getting ready to go into another one. That's just the way it happens. And uh, when you're in the storm, I find that the things that you've been relying on are exposed. And when you're in the storm, sometimes it's good because you realize the things you've been relying on fail you. And, uh, and so that's one of the types of storms. I think another type of storm is a theological storm. And this is where there's this tension between people and God, between you and God. And, and what I mean by that is, this is when you start questioning the truth about what you know. Like, God, if you are good, why is this happening? Are you asleep at the job? Like, I'm fighting for my life over here, and I've heard these verses, and I've heard these sermons, and I've heard all this stuff about how you are caring and faithful and good then why am I going through this? So that, that's a, a theological storm because you're questioning your belief, who God is. And emotional storms. 
So sometimes the situation and the circumstance is not always as obvious it is in this story. Like that is clearly invoking emotion. And for the disciples, that was the, the emotion of fear. But a lot of times an emotional storm can be under the surface. You can have a smile on your face and come to church and be around people. And it's not necessarily apparent that you're struggling with someone, something, although inside there's a storm. So it could be fear, but it could be anger. Uh, it could be lust could be greed, it could be jealousy, insecurity, pride, arrogance, an emotional storm that's creating tension inside of you. So those are the different kinds of storms, um, but some other factors about storm. First of all, storms in life are inevitable. Before I mention that, they're going to happen, you're going to experience them. Uh, if you're not in one right now, just wait. Uh, it's, it's probably coming. You'll be in a storm. It says this in James 1, 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Sometimes you read stuff like that and the Bible's like, thanks a lot. Super helpful. Pure joy. This is awesome. Uh, but it isn't something you fake. You can have supernatural pure joy, even when you're facing trials. If you see the bigger picture, you understand what's being accomplished. We'll talk more about that. But if you read that, you can circle the word whenever. Whenever. It doesn't say if. It says when. Whenever. Count on it. Nobody goes through life with smooth sailing, cradle to grave, without storms. Storms are also unpredictable, much like real storms. Sometimes I'm a little envious of weathermen. I don't know of any other job on the planet where you can be wrong like 50% of the, of the time and still keep your job. Like, I don't know about you and your job, but if you were wrong 50% of the time or even more, would you keep your job? I don't think so. But for some reason, we've got a lot of grace for those weathermen. They're like, it may, it may not. Could ruin everything for your day. There's a shot. <laughs> Who knows? And with all the technology and everything we have, it's still hard to always get that right. You know? I mean, we've, we've missed it. Big time. Caused some major, major issues when we haven't got it right with some storms that have happened. It's the same thing with these other types of storms. They're, they're unpredictable. They can come suddenly, unexpectedly. It says in verse 24, without warning, a furious storm came up. And try as we may, we cannot predict the things that are gonna happen to us, although it amazes me how hard we try. You know, I would assume that most of you are not in one of these veins, but there's astrology and biorhythms and tarot cards and horoscopes and I mean, even fortune cookies, like all these different things. And, and I think we, we, we can be attracted to things that can be predictive um, because we like control. We like control. Because if we know it's coming, it's, it's kind of like we can protect ourselves somehow. Um, and, uh, and I think there's a lot of that going on right now, you know. And I'm not saying it's bad to be prepared. Uh, I do think you just have to know your heart, you know. Are you at a place where where you feel like the inevitable is going to happen, and so 
in a place of pride, in a place of not trusting God. You're shielding yourself from people. You're shielding yourself from relationships. You're decreasing your effectiveness towards what God has placed inside of you and gifted you and called you and purposed you to be. Storms are unpredictable. Uh, Storms are impartial. They happen to good people, they happen to bad people. They happen to believers, they happen to unbelievers. They happen to everyone. In Matthew 5, 45, a different account of the same story. He says, it says, he sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So clearly, being a Christian does not exempt us from being in stores. Can I have an amen from any of the Christ followers in the house? Uh, it, it almost makes me mad when I see people presenting Christianity in a light that says, when you become a Christian, everything's great. Your life is just going to be this amazing, fluffy, kind wonderland. I don't know about y'all. I, I feel like being a Christian, I'm going through a lot more storms than even people that aren't Christians. And I'll just mention this. The enemy has some authority. The enemy's not causing every storm that happens in your life. The enemy didn't cause my knee to be hurt. Uh, I, I would suggest probably six Iron Mans and a bunch of other dumb stuff is what hurt my knee. But the enemy certainly likes to use storms. He loves to whisper in our ears. I would suggest if you're not going through trial in your life as a believer, why are you not threatening to the enemy? And I'm not saying you should be going through a lot of stuff. But in my experience personally, especially the emotional and theological storms that I talked about, if you're never going through those, why doesn't the enemy have a target on you? Uh, uh, Just something to throw out there. But storms are impartial. Here's the thing. You can be smack dab in the middle of God's will and still be going through storms. Think about the disciples. The disciples are in a storm because they followed Jesus into the boat. Jesus took them directly into this storm. Jesus. So I would suggest that judging storms is a horrible way to figure out if you're in God's will. Storms are a bad indicator or a bad communicator of whether or not you're in God's will. They can communicate, but I wouldn't suggest that you should look to them to get clarity on whether or not, man, I must be out of God's will going through a storm. No, you can be right in the middle of some of the most difficult storms in your life and be right in the middle of God's perfect sovereign will, which isn't always easy. It's even more difficult. So God hasn't promised a storm-free life, not at all, but he promises to never leave you or forsake you. And that's why I wanna talk more about how do we respond when we're in the storms? When I face a storm, I can either be filled with panic or peace. 
I can be filled with panic or peace. I mentioned jokingly how much I like storms, but it really is. It's interesting. Like all my life, I love being in the elements. And it's almost like the more severe the elements are, the more sensitive I am to the presence of God. I remember being in Bible school in Colorado Springs and snowstorms would would come in and we would be uh, at the World Prayer Center. This is this building outside of where we had our Bible school. And there's this sidewalk that went in a circle around this building with all the the flags from the different nations representing the 1040 window, the most unreached uh, countries in the world. And, and I remember the snow just blowing and coming down. I mean, you know, in, in places like that, you can get a couple feet in a day, easy. And for some reason, I liked more than, than anything to go out and walk and pace in those storms because I think it kind of get, it put me in this place of the rawness of my inability and the vastness of his power, the vastness of who he is, and, but his hand and his protection on me. The disciples went and woke him up saying, Lord, save us, we're going down. Here's the thing, these guys weren't novices. Like several of the disciples were fishermen, but they had been around, this is their culture. They'd been out on the Sea of Galilee before. This wasn't the first time they'd been around a boat. It wasn't the first time they'd been in a storm on that sea. Okay, so this must've been a pretty significant storm that they're freaking out. Fishermen, professionals, they're freaking out. The word describes the storm in a passage. The, the, the word in the Greek is the word seismos, uh, which is where we get things like seismology or seismograph, things that, instruments that they use to measure earthquakes. So this thing is so big, it's, it's communicating just how severe this storm is. Uh, and if you've ever been out on a boat with, with a big storm, it, it's intimidating. And so it wasn't that it wasn't significant. It wasn't that there wasn't a reason to panic. There was. But what are you going to do? You have an option. The option doesn't have to be, it's just fear. It's just freak out time. That's the option. There's a different option. If you know me very well, it's a little bit sadistic, maybe sounding at least. I love helping people face their fears. Love it. In fact, my staff is very careful around me communicating anything that they're afraid of. Because as soon as someone says that they're afraid of something around me, I'm like, and that is what we are doing next. Here we go. Uh, Because I have seen the power of fear that steers people's lives. And I have seen the freedom that people experience when they step through and over their fear and how they're able to run with better perseverance the race that God has marked out for them. But it's one of the reasons why when we were doing college ministry, I love taking people rock climbing and rappelling. Especially rappelling, because I know a lot of people have a fear of heights, right? A lot of people. And, and so I love that because I like people facing that. And 
But I would do the wise thing. I would explain to them, I'd give them instruction. Okay, so here's what we're gonna do. Here's all the safety. Here's the systems. Here's the equipment. This carabiner can hold this much weight. You have two of those on you. This rope can, can hold a semi-truck. Uh, everything that you're tied to, here's all the safety. Here's the instruction. But it didn't matter sometimes how much I would emphasize, how much I would show them that they were safe, that they were guarded, that they were protected. When it came down to it, they had to step up to the edge of that cliff and lean back. And there was that decision. Can I trust that this equipment was designed, over-designed to take care of me and to keep me safe? Or am I gonna let fear keep me from experiencing this? And it was... So fun and so cool to watch people finally sit back and rest and relax in the fact it's got me. I'm not going anywhere. And sometimes it was a slow process, but eventually they start making their way down the rock and all of a sudden then they're cocky. They're like, oh, I got this. Oh, this is fun, you know? And most of the time they'd want to do it again and again and again. I think that's a great picture of what it's like. Walking with the Lord. The bottom line is he has given us all the instruction that we need. His grace has been designed for your storms. But when you hit your storm, you're either going to remember the instruction that has already been given to you and lean back and trust that everything that he has established is more than enough to sustain you through your storm or you'll let fear overcome you. You will either have panic or you will have peace. But he's designed his grace to deal with your fear. It's more than enough. It's more than enough. Look at the contrasting reaction of Jesus in the storm. Verse 24, but Jesus was sleeping. I will say that a lot of times one of the signs that you're in a storm is that you're not sleeping well. There's not rest, like physically. So I, I think Jesus was certainly exhausted, you know? He'd been doing some crazy ministry. But I wonder sometimes, like this is just me reading between the lines, I wonder if sometimes it was more like this. Jesus was sleeping. Like, man, these guys are freaking out. But I honestly think it was more than that. Jesus had trust in his heavenly father. He had trust. He was trusting. So here's a question. Did Jesus know they were going to be in a storm before he even got into the boat? He's God in the flesh. I would suggest yes, he probably knew. Okay, so he consciously made the decision. Yeah, this is gonna be good. Hey guys, get the boat. Let's go across. Oh man, I'm tired. I'll take a little nappy poo. Like Jesus popped five or six melatonin in and out. A little Z-Quil. Sleeping. 
But what he's doing is he's teaching them a lesson in faith and trusting. I think Jesus knew that the disciples needed to go through a few storms in order to prepare them for the calling and purpose and the commission that he was eventually going to leave them with. Now, there needed to be some strengthening of their faith muscles, if you will, because they were going to face a lot of storms. If you read the account of every disciple, they didn't have an easy life. They had a fulfilled life. They had life and life to the full. But in the natural, it was a lot of storms. So much value in the wear and tear of the storms that you've gone through. You look at the history of the, the game of golf. The original golf balls, and it's been around for a long time, over a couple hundred years. The original golf balls that they used, they were actually completely smooth on the outside. And, and golf was primarily played by lords and, and wealthy people. And, uh, but as they would play with these golf balls, if they would get dents and dimples in the golf balls, eventually they would just throw those away. But the less wealthy people, because they didn't have very much money, they would just go and find the golf balls that the rich people threw away and use those to play golf. But the more wealthy people were noticing that the poor people were actually hitting those old golf balls that had all the dents in it even further than they were able to hit their brand new ball. And over time, they figured out the dents and dimples in the golf ball cuts down on wind drag. There's less friction. And so now, the average golf ball has around 350 dimples on it. The golf balls that you use to drive the ball even further have even more dimples on them. Isn't that a great picture? That just because you've been through some wear and tear and some dimples have been put on your life because of the storms you've gone through, really all God is preparing you for is so that you can travel even further. There's just a little less drag on you trying to be perfect. You recognize you're not perfect, but it's the imperfect part of who you are that has best prepared you to go as far as you need to go to accomplish everything that God has for you. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the dents that have been put in me because of the storms I've been through. Remember God's closeness. Remember God's closeness. He is near you. He's with you. You're not by yourself. Verse 23 says, then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. They didn't have anything to fear. Jesus was in the boat. If you're gonna make it through the storms of life, the first lesson you have to learn is God is always with me. Whether I feel it or not, he's with me. Here's a great promise in Isaiah 43. It says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. What an amazing promise. You don't have to worry that even if your boat is rocking, Jesus is in the boat. Remember God's closeness, also relax in God's care. The typical response when we're going through a storm is to question that. Does God even care? The disciples felt that way. 
The account in Mark chapter 4 says this. The disciples said to him, Teacher, don't you even care if we drown? That's a common response in tragedy. Don't you care what's going on? The answer is, of course he does. The truth is this. Jesus, he does more than care. He hurts with you. The word says that we don't have a priest or an advocate who doesn't understand the pains, trials, and temptations that we go through. You have never met anybody who is more empathetic and sympathetic to the storms and the pain of your storms that you've been through than Jesus. He understands. And he's with you. He is interceding for you. It's good to have some friends around you. And I think all of you should have some friends that will intercede when you're going through the storms of life. But I promise you, nobody knows more intimately and detailed about what you're going through than Jesus. And he's the one interceding for you at the right hand of the Father. What a great promise. God cares. I do think they did what was right. They took their fear to Jesus. Like, Jesus, hello, we gonna die. Do you care? Where do you go with your fears? Or what do you go to with your fears? With your insecurities, with your emotional storms that you wrestle with, where do you go with those things? Where do you go with your discontentment, your insecurity, your pride? Your lust, where do you go with your emotional storms? What do you go to? There's plenty of things out there that you could run to. There's plenty of things you could do that'll give you false healing, temporary relief. I think it's important to come to Jesus. What's crazy is I see this over and over again. There are over 7,000 promises in this book for you. 7,000. And it amazes me in my own life and the lives of others how quickly 7,000 promises can be overwhelmed in a, a storm of fear. Like all of a sudden, it's just overcome by some of the storms that go in. The truth is, they're still true. They're still powerful. We can still come to Jesus and admit I'm fearful. I'm prideful. I'm weak. This is in your notes. In Proverbs chapter 30, it talks about these creatures, these things in nature that exhibit the characteristics that we should. It talks about ants and how they're little, but when they work together, they're able to accomplish a lot. And then it talks about this badger. It says this, badgers who seem to be weak, but live among the rocks. Other translations say they are weak, but they're able to make their home in the rocks. The badgers can't move the rocks, right? Uh, when we went to Israel, you don't see a lot of wildlife in Israel. A lot of it's just because it's just been hunted out. There's there's just not a lot of wildlife there. But these badgers are all over the place. It's like a lot of the places you go where the ruins and stuff are, there's these badgers hanging out around, and they are confident little suckers. 
They don't even mind the people around. But they stay on the rocks. They know nobody can mess with us. As soon as somebody comes mess with us, just go on the rocks. You know what? I'm completely okay with being a weak, frail, and broken child of God, but you're going to find me weak standing on the rock that doesn't move. That I know no matter what comes, I can be head in the cliff of his presence, of his promise, and of his word. And I think more of you need to be like a rock badger. Be transparent. But find yourself standing on the rock, immovable. Turn to your neighbor and say, you just need to be an old rock badger. Tell them that. Husbands, be careful with your tone towards your wives. You old rock badger. May not go well for you. Also rely on God's control. Let his power see you through. Let his power see through. Again, the account in Mark says, Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down. It was completely calm. Jesus stood up in the boat in the middle of the storm. I don't know if Jesus is like me when I first wake up from a nap. Probably not because he's Jesus. But I'm grumpy sometimes when I get up. I would imagine he was just a little annoyed. Like, y'all, I'm just trying to get a little bit of shut eye. You know, y'all waking me up. I'm like that every day. You need to let me warm up a bit before you're going to start talking to me. Some of you guys, you're morning people. (laughs) So happy for you. Just so you know, though, the Bible says in Proverbs that a cheerful greeting in the morning is like a curse. It's in the Bible. (laughs) So y'all... Your head pop off the pillow, rise and shine and give God. Look, that, that song ain't even biblical. <laughs> so I don't know what Jesus' mindset was, but his mindset was, I wish y'all trust me a little bit better. But he gets up and he rebukes. But here's the crazy thing. He doesn't just rebuke the wind and the wind stops. He rebukes the water and the water goes <laughs> Here's the thing, if you're ever in a storm out on the water, the wind can go away. The wave's gonna be around for a while, right? Or ahead of a storm, the waves are there, even if you don't feel the wind. Not this time. Full authority over the weather and the water. Dead calm. Man, what a great picture of what he does. You gotta rely on that. Then a different kind of fear hit them. Whoa. That's a holy fear. Man, we need to walk around more with that. Man, God is big and he is powerful. And I'm gonna be led and driven by my fear of the Lord instead of the storms of my emotions, instead of the situation and circumstance, instead of my feelings, And I'm not going to let the natural, understandable questions about where God is be the ultimate authority because his word tells me where he is and tells me who he is. I'm going to trust that. He's in control. He's got this. He's in charge. 
I think too often you, you have seasons of this, but I think there's a lot of people, believers, that just have Jesus along for the ride. Like he's in the boat with me, but he's just like a passenger here. Some of y'all need to let Jesus take the wheel. We got to step past the, man, Jesus is my homie. Yeah, Jesus wants to be your friend, but he is your Lord. He is God in the flesh. He is almighty. He has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. That's who's in the boat with you. Jesus said to the disciples, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? So Jesus told his disciples two things right here. One, the root of your problem is fear. The solution to your problem is faith. The greatest threat to their lives, to the disciples, for the rest of their lives, was not gonna be the natural storms, the emotional storms. That's not the greatest threat to their life. The greatest threat is unbelief. And the secret to victory over fear is faith. It's more than just a willing, it's an application. It's I'm gonna let my words and my actions and my lifestyle align with the truth that I know. That is faith, it's faith. I think some of you, I don't know where you're at. You may be in a storm right now. Uh, I know about a few people. They're in some pretty tough storms or you're coming out of one. Or for some of you, you are still letting the waves of an old storm kick you around. Like the truth is that storm was long past, but you, you're still letting the waves of it control your life, throw you around. Uh, but I think some of you, you don't have Jesus in the boat with you. The disciples had Jesus in the boat with them because they had relationship with Jesus. If you don't have relationship with Jesus, no, he's not in the boat with you because he doesn't invite himself into places he hasn't been invited and asked. He won't push himself into a life where he's not recognized, where the need for him hasn't been recognized, where the surrender to him hasn't been done, where the understanding of a need of a savior in the midst of sin is seen. He wants to be in the boat with you, but he will not push himself into a life where he hasn't been recognized and asked and invited. And so that is something we can deal with right now. There may be some of you right now, you've been through a lot of storms, you feel like you're in a storm and and, and you may have the same misconception that a lot of people have, and that is, but I'm at church. The relationship with Jesus is not about church attendance. It's a part of it. It's an important part of it. The relationship with Jesus is this personal decision and understanding that without surrender to the sacrifice that he made on the cross, you are eternally separated from him. That's not what he wants. He's a holy God. You've never met anyone more perfect or more loving. 
And because he is that, he can't be in the presence of sin. Jesus paid the price, the perfect sacrifice, covers your sin. And if you've never surrendered to that, or maybe you feel like you did the words and you've been in the routine, you've done the church thing, but you still don't have any confidence or peace that you actually have a genuine personal relationship with him. God's a God of mulligans and he's just waiting on you to, to come back to him. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. If you're here today and you know you're away from the Lord, no confidence of a relationship with him. Maybe because you've just, you've never genuinely asked him. You've never genuinely and honestly admitted that you are a sinner and that you recognize your sin separates you from him. And you've just never asked him to come and save you from your sin and be the Lord of your life. Maybe you've never done that. Or maybe you went through the routine or maybe somebody pressured you or all your friends did it. And so you did it. And maybe you said what you thought, but you're still in a place you don't have any confidence or peace, any hope of heaven, any assurance of who you are in him. If you're in that place right now, nobody's looking around. I'm gonna ask you just to be bold enough to admit it. And I think that you, you need to be way more bold than what I'm getting ready to ask you to do right now. The word says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, and you'll be saved, that confession in your mouth, the reason why that's so important is because it's your declaration to your own ears, to the people around you, and to the enemy himself who you're choosing to trust and surrender to. And so I'd encourage you, if you're making this decision, as soon as the service is over, tell somebody, as soon as you can, go public with your decision with water baptism. But between me, you, and God, would you be bold enough to admit that you need him right now? You're away from him. And if that's you, I want you to put your hand up right now with some boldness across the room. Got you guys. As soon as I see you, you can put your hands down. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Got you. Yes. There at the back. Got you guys. Got you. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Got you, bro. Got you there in the side. Got you, bro. Man, God is so good. Father God is a perfect father. Every person that just raised their hand, I don't, I don't know if they had a good earthly dad or not. Even if they had a great earthly dad, it's nothing compared to your presence. So I pray that right now they would sense an overwhelming sense of acceptance, grace, and love as they turn their hearts towards you. If you just raise your hand, is there anyone else? I might've missed somebody or somebody's like, well, if he says it one more time, I'll do it. You're stubborn, I get it, I've been there. Is there anybody else I need? Got you guys. Got you. Got you. Yeah, I got you, bro. So everybody that raised your hand, we're just gonna have a conversation with the Lord. And we're gonna be honest with him. The words, honestly, that's not what gets you saved. It's the condition of your heart. But the words are important because it's a confession. I got you. It's not too late. I got you. 
but let's just talk to him. And you can say this loud enough for your own ears to hear it, which would be awesome, but, but you can just say it in your heart. Again, you, you need to tell somebody. You need to tell somebody, you made this decision, but we're just gonna tell them to say, Jesus, here's my life. And I know that I'm a sinner. I, I can't even count how many times I've messed up. And it's hard for me to understand how you can forgive and how you can love me in spite of me, in spite of all the mistakes I've made. But, but I, I know that you're, you're with me right now. You're speaking to me and I can't even quantify that, but I thank you. And I just admit that I need you. I admit that I need a savior. I believe in faith that you came and you died on the cross for me, for my sin. I thank you though, that you rose from the grave, meaning you overcame sin. You overcame the condemnation and the shame and the guilt of, of the sin of my past, but also any amount of power or authority would try to have over my future. You overcame it. When you rose from the grave, you defeated death itself. And because of that, I have the hope of heaven. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. That's good. I'm thankful to know that I get to go to heaven. But God, I know that you didn't just do that so I could go to heaven. You did it so that I could see your kingdom come, your will be done in my life now as it is in heaven. And I know the only way I can live the life that you have for me is if I'm totally surrendered to you. And so I do, I surrender, be my Lord, be my Lord. I give complete and total control of my mind, my will, my emotions over to you. I'm not interested in doing my own thing. I'm not interested in being driven by my own thoughts, my own feelings. What I feel is right, I wanna be driven by the, your word by the conviction of your spirit and encouraged and supported by the body of Christ. Be my Lord. Father, I thank you for all those that just made that decision. Thank you, Lord, for the grace that they're feeling, for the weight and the burden that is lifted in complete surrender to you. Continue to work, Lord. Help us to come alongside of them and lead them in what it means to be fully devoted followers of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.